0: With you yesterday, we had Julie's uh, family, Julie's dad's memorial in Kentucky, and uh, she's there now. So continue to pray for her. And uh, it was a great time of celebration of life and glorification of Jesus Christ. Julie's dad passed away about two weeks ago, and uh, he was a follower of Jesus. He um, he took a nap and he didn't wake up, and he had had a lot of health issues. And uh, I. Uh, some people don't like it when I say this, but Julie and I, we feel like we'd sign up for that, you know? I mean, if we die today, it's a good life, you know what I mean? I mean, it's a good life. Don't cry for us. Julie always tells me, she says, honey, you know, if I die today, don't cry for me. I said, I'm not crying for you, I'm crying for me, is what I'm crying for. <laughs> you know what I mean? What am I going to do if that happens? It's going to be a disaster. I'm just that self-centered, so pray for me that I'll repent of that. Um, so, but pray her and her family are, are figuring things out, you know. And, and you lose somebody, you've got a lot to to work through. So, thank you for all your kind words. And uh, but it's good to be with you here in Delray Beach, Florida, this morning. You know, some news is so compelling, you just absolutely have to tell it. You have to share it. You have to find a way to tell people that um, you won. You got the job. She said yes. It's a girl, it's a boy, or better yet, it's a grandchild, which let me just tell you, side note, <laughs> grandchildren are way better than they tell you they are. Let me just just tell you, as a grandfather, I know you've heard that before. If you don't have grandchildren, you're like, I don't really care about hearing that, but um, they're way better than children, Mike. I mean, I'm telling you, I know your children are great, but their children are wonderful, but grandchildren are even better, and the reason is you really don't have to do any of the work, but you get all the enjoyment. So that's the great thing. But some, that, that's you know you have this news that's so great you just have to slip it into every conversation. You know and you're just looking for opportunities for someone to quit speaking for a moment. So let me just tell you about my granddaughter. Let me just tell you about my team. Let me just tell you about this victory. Let me just tell you about this awesome thing that happened. We just were that we're wired that way. Things that really matter to us, we just have to find a way to share. And this is the story of Paul today in Acts chapter late 21 and into 22. We're preaching through the book of Acts and we're getting close to the end and Paul is in really this zone where he is kind of, Luke is kind of summarizing all of Paul's ministry in these next three speeches he's going to make. This is everything. This is what I want you to know. This is my testimony. This is how I want to share it. And things are getting rough for Paul. He's on his way, ultimately to Rome, and that's where he will be killed and left at the end of, actually, the end of, of Acts 28. He's it's over for. He's, he's left in prison, and we know that he's later very likely martyred by Nero. Um, so we're in Acts chapter 21, beginning of verse 37, and Paul has intentionally gone to Jerusalem, even though godly people have told him this is going to be really bad. They've told him, don't do it. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be tied up. It's not going to be what you hope. So Paul says, I, I'm ready to die for Jesus. I've got to go to Jerusalem, and I've got to ultimately go to Rome. I'm going to go forward. And so Paul goes to Jerusalem. We talked about it last week that as he's there, they, they want him to, to participate in a vow, in a vow ceremony, in a commitment some people are making. And he's trying to make this big statement about the fact that he does believe that Jews should be Jews and that they're, they should stay a people because God's ultimately going to use his people. He does, God keeps his promises. But even as he does that, he gets falsely accused by a mob that he brought Gentiles into this temple and they're like, we got to get this guy. And so the streets uh, are, are full of people wanting to get Paul and they want to kill him. And they're about to haul him off and they're beating Paul. And the Romans hear about it. The Romans are in charge and they're, um, the local soldiers come and they rescue Paul from being killed only to arrest him. To haul them off. And so that's where we find things in Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 37. Acts chapter 21, beginning in 37. God's word says this, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, that's the Roman soldiers' barracks, he said to the tribune, the man in charge, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of of the assassins out into the wilderness? So they're talking to Paul, and the Roman leader says, hey, Paul says, I want to talk to you. And he speaks in Greek. He speaks his language. And the the tribune is surprised that Paul speaks really good Greek. And Greek at the time was the common language of the known world, really. Rome was in charge, but the language at that point was koine, or common Greek. And so Paul responds to him in Greek. He says, hey, you, you know Greek. And the tribune, whose name is Lysias, says this. He says, I thought you were the Egyptian. And it turns out that a few years prior to this, there was a Jew from Egypt who'd come to Jerusalem, and he'd stirred up about 4,000 people to lead a revolt against Rome. And this happened kind of regularly at this time until the Romans ultimately marched in and destroyed the temple in in, uh, about 70 AD. And so there's this constant uh, air of, a sense of we've got to gain our independence, and the Israel's got to gain their independence from Rome, and they're constantly being put down. And so there's a, there was this guy who led these people, led about 4,000, and as they were coming toward Jerusalem, this, this Egyptian Jew had said, listen, what's going to happen is the walls are going to come tumbling down, just like in Jericho. That was his story. It's going to happen again. God's going to do what he promised before. They, they get to the Mount of Olives, which if, as you approach Jerusalem, From the east going west, you come to the Mount of Olives, then the Valley of Kidron, and then you go up into the city. So you can literally see the city walls from the Mount of Olives. It's only, I don't know, a mile or so. And as they come across the Mount of Olives, the Romans ride in and wipe them out, basically. And this Egyptian and about most of the people flee. And so that's who he thinks Paul is. You are a rebel who led a rebellion that we put down and now you're back, and there's this big, this big uproar over your coming, and probably the Jews don't like that you're back because you got them into trouble last time. And that's what's happened. That's the background for what's going on. And so Paul says, listen, can I talk to you? And it feels like what Paul wants to do is take advantage even of the Roman uh, protective custody that he's in. Because, in effect, that's what happens. The Romans have shown up and said, hey, Paul, we're going to rescue you, but we're going to have you in protective custody so that they don't kill you. Paul's always looking, though, to share his message. And he realizes that at this moment, he may have a chance. Because while they were beating him, he didn't have a chance. But now that the Romans have him and there's put some distance between he and the Jewish mob, I have a chance. I might be able to share the good news. It's so important that we look for these opportunities. You know, sometimes a relationship is so volatile, you can't actually speak any truth in it, and you've got to get some distance. You maybe even need some protective custody in order to share what needs to be shared. And that's what Paul is taking advantage of. And you may be thinking right now, who do I need some protective custody with in order to share the good news? Paul looks for the chance to be able to tell them the good news. It's interesting that the people that they thought he was associated with were called the assassins, and uh, commentator John Polhill says this. He said their practice was to mingle in with large groups on special occasions and plunge daggers into their pro-Roman political enemies and then quickly disappear into the crowd. They were early terrorists, weren't they? And so this man that they thought was a terrorist – is wanting to address the crowd, and he asks him, "Can I say something?" Verse twenty-one, verse thirty-nine. Paul says this: "I'm not a terrorist. I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia. Tarsus and Cilicia is a kind of a Western Turkey area right now and today." He says, "I'm a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people." And when he's given permission. Paul standing on the steps motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, "Paul gets his chance, and he starts again to to talk to them, and he speaks to them in their language." I love that. You know, it's helpful to speak to people in their language. It's helpful to speak their accent, even if you're talking to a southerner. It's good to talk like this, just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? y'all come on over how many southerners we have don't raise your hand um i wish i could do a good brooklyn accent but i can't but if you're from new york if you could slip into that that helps if you're talking to someone uh from jamaica you want to say hey man right um if you're talking to somebody from from haiti you want to use a little creole if you can if you talk to someone uh who has one of our spanish nations you want to say, bienvenidos, mi llamo es pastor Esteban Tomas, right? That's kind of how you, you want to speak through language if you can. You want to try. You want to make an effort. And so Paul does this. He speaks Hebrew, which in the, was not the language of Rome. It was the language only of the Jews. And so he speaks their language so that they can understand. And Paul is interested in his purpose, which is simply to be a witness. His purpose is not to take over. He's not a threat to the Romans. His purpose is to share the good news of Jesus with his people, his people that he loves so much. And Paul's message starts with simply, "I was one of you. I was one of you." Listen to uh, verses one through five of chapter twenty-two. He says, "Brothers and fathers," I love that. If you're gonna, it's it's warm. It's respectful. Brothers and fathers, uh, I am one of you. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take them, uh, those also who were there, and bring them into the bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul saying, I was just like you. I have your same heritage. I persecuted this thing called the way, and that's really what the church was known at at that time. It was a movement within Israel, within the Jews. It was, it was called The Way. And he said, I tried to stamp out this heresy as well. I, I did everything I could. I, I hauled people to prison. I, I, I was there when people were killed. I did everything I could to stop it. I had the same zeal as you do. You want me to be killed. I, I was there. I was just like you. It's a great place to share really important information, isn't it? I feel you. I know. I know why you feel this way. I, I felt this way too. I was exactly like you. But when Paul went to Damascus, you know what happened. He had gotten letters from the high priest of Jerusalem to go find the Jews at Damascus. It's like a couple hundred miles to, Jeru- to Damascus from Jerusalem. And he goes there and he, he's uh, on the road. In verse 6, he describes what happened. And the Lord said to me, rise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be witness for me to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. You know, I've never heard of another conversion experience like this it's one of the most dramatic things that happens in all of scripture it reminds us somewhat of Isaiah and Isaiah 6 saying, I I saw the Lord he was high and lifted up it's a it's a powerful powerful confrontive moment the, maybe the next closest thing would be Joseph when he's saying I'm gonna I'm gonna divorce Mary I'm gonna do it quietly and the angel confronts him and says Joseph no here's your assignment But Isaiah and Joseph were really on the same kind of page. They were trying to follow God. They were trying to do what they thought was right. And, And here's Saul, who's really trying to do what he thinks is right. He thinks this is really godly, but he's actually killing people. And Jesus shows up. Jesus confronts him, stops him, blinds him, speaks to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is nothing, let me just emphasize this, this is nothing that Paul ever sought for himself. It's nothing that he earned. It's nothing that he figured out. It's something that Jesus did in his life. That's how Jesus works. Do you realize that if you know Jesus today, it's because of his work In your life. You don't get any credit for that. You don't get any credit for knowing Jesus. It's because he came to you and gave you the opportunity. Invited you to be his child. And you, from your perspective anyway, responded. But in truth, there was really nothing else you could do once you see the glory of Jesus Christ. If he doesn't come he doesn't invite you, you don't get to follow Jesus. And if you're here today, you have that invitation. You have that opportunity. So important for us to understand that something happened to Paul. And what happened to Paul is Jesus Christ. Has something happened to you? has Jesus happened to you? See, it's not just a lifestyle. It's not just a set of rules. It's not just a group of people that you're hanging out with. It's because Jesus Christ has invited you to be his child. I don't know what happened to you, but I know what happened to me when I was nine years old on the back row of a Baptist church. I know the offer was so compelling and I was so resistant that I, ultimately I couldn't stop. I couldn't stay. I had to go and receive this incredible thing called salvation some 52 years ago sometimes I fear that people like a lifestyle or they like a group of people or they were raised in a church I always want to hear that moment when they realize they they needed to receive something they couldn't have on their own they needed to receive this gift of salvation by repenting of their sin, saying yes to Jesus. And no, I don't know of anyone who's been confronted on the road like Paul. Maybe you have, and I'd love to hear about it. But I know that everyone who follows Jesus, there was a moment, maybe it was more of a sunrise and a lightning bolt, but there was a moment when you said yes. When you said yes to Jesus. See, for Paul, this is, this is something he's got to share. It's news so compelling and so life-changing. He, he just seeks every opportunity to let it be known. It's like, it's, for Paul, it's the difference between, what, being a, a caterpillar and a butterfly, right? It's a difference between striking a match and turning on the electricity, right? It's something he's got to share. People have got to know about this Jesus. And he shares it with them. And then he goes on to say what Jesus did in his life after that. Something happened to Paul, and then something happened to Paul that changed his, the way he views people. Look at Acts 22, 17 through 21. Paul, continuing to talk to this mob, um, he's telling them why he's reaching Gentiles, and why he's doing what he's doing. And again, he says it's because of what Jesus did. Verse 17 says, When I had returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he he said to me, go for I will send you away to the Gentiles. You see, Jesus changes how we see other people. Paul thought that because he was one of them that they would hear him. But that's not always the case. Paul's kind of having a a discussion with Jesus in this kind of trance state in the temple. He's saying, Jesus, I should stay here in Jerusalem. They'll listen to me. I'm one of them. They'll hear me. And No. Jesus says, no, you need to go to the Gentiles. As I said last week, those who think they're the best hate Jesus' followers the most. Jesus totally changed Paul's thinking about other people. Because to Paul, it was all about the Jews. It was all about them. They were God's people, and they were to, they were to be God's people. They were a special, unique people. And Paul says, I need to reach them. That's what. And Jesus says, no, you're going to go reach people who are so far from God, who are so far from any knowledge or understanding of who I am. You're going to go reach them. You're going to go tell them this good news. And our natural bent, you know, is to avoid people who are not like us, isn't it? who are far from God. Now let me talk to some people who love you already. I enjoy that. God says, "No, Paul. I want you to go to people who really don't even like me, but they don't really know me. I want you to go and reach those people who are very, very far from me. But there's a problem, right? Because when we do that, we're saying, "Wait a minute. what about all my good stuff that I've done? What about all my good deeds that I've done?" And the, that's why the Jews are so mad at him because they're like, "No, we're a special people. You're taking away our uniqueness. You're saying, everyone else is going to be invited in to be God's family, just like us. That can't be. We're special." You know, something we're not special. God's people, the Jews, God's people, the church, were only anything because of what Jesus has done. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's not because of our heritage. It's because of what Jesus has done. Verse 22, they respond. Up to this point, they listened to him, and then they raised their voice, and they said, Away with such a fellow from this earth, for he should not be allowed to live with him to go to people who are not God's people we need to get rid of this guy people don't want to give up their special status people don't want to repent never underestimate the resistance to repentance they want to get rid of Paul So in summary, here's what Paul is saying. It's interesting, you know, it's interesting that Paul, notice he never answers the question they had for him, which is, did you take Gentiles into the temple? He never answers that question. Maybe if they hadn't interrupted at the end, he would have answered it. But what does he do? He takes the opportunity to share what he wants to share, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. He never answers the question they're asking. Always look for the most important question, the most important information that needs to be shared, not the question that's being answered. The other thing that's important to notice here is that Paul, you could look at this encounter and go, this wasn't successful. That didn't go well. And a lot of times we look at our opportunity to share this good news of Jesus based on fruit or based on results. As a former salesperson, I can tell you that's a very normal thing for us to do. We always look at our activity, well, how did it work? Did we get Paul's goal wasn't fruit so much as it was faithfulness. It's God's work to bring fruit. Our job is to simply be faithful. If we're always concerned about did it have an effect? Did did people get saved? Did people? We definitely want to look at that. But we also want to say, am I being faithful presenting God's word? Am I being faithful to the opportunities when I didn't even notice there was an opportunity? You see, something happened to Paul. Did something happen to you? Maybe something's happening right now. When I was thinking about this Sunday morning, knowing I was going to be in Kentucky on Saturday and it was going to be tough to get back here for Sunday morning, I began praying, God, what what do you want me to do? I could certainly have someone else preach that day. I just believe something special was going to happen today. I believe something special happens when God's people gather. Is something happening to you today? Is he moving in your life? Maybe to receive the gift of salvation that you've never really received. Something happened in your life today. I would love for you to respond to him today. I would love for you to receive that gift of salvation Maybe something's happening to you today where it says, I've got to be more aware of what my purpose is. My purpose is not to be successful, not to make a lot of money. It's not to even have a good and happy life. My purpose is to make sure that people know about this incredible news. Regardless if they respond or not, I just got to find ways to get it into conversations. I've got to make it the most important news that I share. Has Jesus changed your thinking about people, the people around you, the people you see every day, the people that you just assume are far from him, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family? They need to hear the good news. I want to encourage you, share what Jesus has done in your life. So I don't really know how to do that. Well, listen, you know how to share every other experience in your life you've had a baby, and you know, how, you, know, you know how to share that story. If you've taken a trip, you know how to share that story. If you've, anything that's ever happened to you, you know how to share that story. If Jesus has happened to you, share the story. Share the story. Find a way to get it into conversation. Find a way to share the story. It's the most vital news you'll ever share with anyone. I don't know if I know all the right answers. You don't have to know all the right answers. You just have to know what happened to you. You have to be willing to get answers for people when they have questions. That's your role. Seize the opportunity. Don't miss the chances that Jesus has given you. If something's happened to you, God wants to use you to help something happen to others. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, It's special to be with your people. It's special to gather here. But I know, like me, many years ago, you draw people into your house, into life with your people so that they can know you. Lord. And in these moments, feel like you're probably working in some lives right now. Some people are saying here that are in this room saying, I, I don't know if something happened to me. Oh, God, would you draw them to yourself right now? Would you give them that encouragement to, to repent and to receive your good news, Lord? That's our goal, Lord. And some people may say, you know, I think something did happen to me years ago, but man, nothing's happened lately. I. I need to get back to the heart of worship. I need to get back to following you, Jesus. I need to repent of my distance from you, Lord. Because I want to be someone that the most important news I share is what Jesus has done in my life. Oh, Lord, would you do it? Would you do it in our lives this morning? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?